Welcome back. Hello, everyone. To Brainy Bits. We're back again, and we're back on a normal schedule. Yes. <laughs> we did it. We're back. We did it. Officially. Today's Brainy Bits, we're going to be talking about the parietal lobe. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just going to take one second out of this. I just, <laughs> Jeff, what is this? I just found a little, and <laughs> when I say little, I mean really little, little jar with an even littler alien. It is. And there's water in it, and it's up to his mouth, and he's like sit, sitting in like a fetal position. He's a... What, an, what, the, what is this? He's just my little lucky embryonic alien. I don't know. I got it from a friend a couple years back. Can She's, I turn it over? Is it going to spill? No, it won't spill. <laughs> We're hanging out in my room recording. and uh, Sorry. <laughs> I, I, I just looked up and saw it staring at me, and I was just very confused. Yeah. It's probably the weirder one of the weirder things I have up there. Yeah, I'd say so. It's like, oh, there's a little wooden elephant. There's a Rubik's Cube. Anyway, and then there's the alien. He's not named or anything. I should give him a name at some point. <laughs> Thanks for noticing. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't notice him. He noticed me. <laughs> yeah, he was looking. He was looking hard. Anyway, so today's episode of Brainy Bits is on the parietal lobe. So far, we've covered the frontal lobe, the temporal lobe, the occipital lobe, and now the parietal lobe. The last of the lobes. La- <laughs> <laughs> There are more parts of the brain that we'll talk about at some point, but the four but major lobes. The they're brain. not as important as the four lobes. <laughs> the four lobes are a good starting point to talk about the, the other regions. Those, right? those other regions. <laughs> Just those other peasant regions. <laughs> peasant, the peasant parts of the brain. <laughs> the peasant parts. Yeah, I like that. Because uh, once you know the lobes, then you can be like, okay, so in the frontal lobe, there is the prefrontal cortex or like in the temporal lobe there's the hippocampus so it's a it's a way to navigate the brain yeah yeah do you want to do the summary you never do summaries i could try yeah <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> do it <laughs> yeah so today uh the parietal lobe uh the parietal lobe um is located sort of at the 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 t- like the top of your head if you touch the top of your head it's kind of yeah. right there um that's a good way to describe it. Yeah, like the middle top of your head, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's behind your frontal lobe and in front of your occipital lobe and between your temporal lobes. Exactly. <laughs> it's kind of the the top middle. Um, but yeah, so the, the parietal lobe is an interesting area. Um, the, the main thing it sort of houses is your uh, somatosensory cortex, uh, which is sort of uh, like you think about like your different senses, like it's associated with like touch, for example. Um, and so, uh, there, there's like a, a sensory representation, I think in the last episode, uh, we talked about tonotopy in the auditory cortex and referred back to retinotopy in the occipital lobe and the visual cortex. Uh, here there's a somatotopy, uh, and that specific parts of your, uh, somatosensory cortex, uh, like it has representations for different parts of your body. Um, and it, it responds to, uh, touch sensations. Yeah. So this matter sensory cortex, um, or the parietal lobe associated with, uh, touch, um, somatic sensation, uh, but also things like, uh, pain, temperature, pressure, uh, weight, texture, discrimination, 
Um, and then there's also some other uh, associated functions with it. I think we mentioned in the last episode again, it is, a, is it uh, Wernicke's area? Yes. Spans across the temporal and parietal lobe? Yes, yes. Uh, so there, there is some speech stuff going on as well. Um, and then also in the last episode, we mentioned uh, the dorsal and the ventral uh, visual pathways. Uh, ventral, again, meaning down or below, and dorsal meaning up or above. And so emanating s- sort of from the back of the brain, the visual cortex and the occipital lobe, the the dorsal pathway go runs up towards the top of your brain into the parietal lobe. Um, and uh, the, the dorsal stream is uh, more associated with processing like visual motion um, or uh, coherence. I don't know if that's useful to say. But yeah, the idea is like that's where the information goes if you want to like track something with your eyes, for example. And so there's there's a, a few motor components uh, also found in the parietal lobe uh, associated with uh, with tracking motion uh, reflexes in your eyes. There's some motor associations in the parietal lobe having to deal with eye movements um, and like saccades, uh, which is just like quick rapid eye motions that happen that you you aren't really aware of. But yeah, so th- there's there's sort of a, a whole smorgasbord of different uh, things going on in the parietal lobe. Yes, but you can think mostly somatosensory related. Yeah, somatosensory is sort of the main thing associated there. Another thing I wanted to mention before regarding location of where the parietal lobe is, because it's not, yeah, so it is in basically the middle top part of your head, kind of more toward the back, but kind of a callback to the navigating the brain episode when we we're talking about the different terms that we can use to navigate the brain. There's this horizontal sulcus. And I actually don't know if we've ever defined a gyrus and a sulcus in a brain days episode. Maybe we did. I don't remember. If we did, it was probably in episode one. But a gyrus is, it's those bumps when you look at a brain. And a sulcus is those, those like troughs, like those really deep grooves in the brain. Those are called sulci. Yeah, yeah. It's like if you hear like the the insult, smooth brain. Uh, smooth brain basically means there's no uh, visible <laughs> gyri or soul, soul <laughs> smooth guy. brain. Uh, whereas a non-smooth brain um, would have a lot of folds, and those folds are the gyri and the sulci. And in fact, we can get into it on another time. But there are genes that regulate the folding of the brain, and Scientists, some scientists think that they've isolated some of these genes. It's very interesting, like it, and that they can induce these genes in animals that have smooth brains and cause oh, wrinkles. Yeah. It's very crazy. There is research on that. I've yeah. Forgotten. We should talk about that in episode one mm-hmm. day. So there is this middle horizontal, really deep sulcus. It's called the central sulcus, and that's what separates the frontal lobe from the parietal lobe. The frontal lobe's motor cortex is. Now, this is where you have to kind of remember the words. It's anterior to, so it means it's more toward the front of, of the head. It's anterior to the somatosensory cortex, which is in the parietal lobe. So, I was going to talk a little bit about the homunculus. Oh, yeah. You can take that one away. So, then there's this thing, this kind of uh, concept called the homunculus that's referring to how much cortical space is dedicated to the perception of touch on specific parts of our body. So the more sensitive an area of the part of our body, such as 
your lips as opposed to your back, then you can assume there are more neurons that are dedicated in your cortex and your parietal cortex and the somatosensory cortex to your lips experiencing feeling and touch rather than a specific location on your back. Your hands also have a very large representation. Yes, exactly. Your feet. Your hands and feet. Genitalia. Your genitalia, yes. <laughs> I was getting there. Okay, sorry. No, 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 you're good though. That's that's exactly it though. So any, anywhere sensitive on your body as opposed to your shin or your elbow or your shoulder. Yeah. So there are more neurons in your brain dedicated to firing when we experience touch on these parts of the body. So the homunculus, in short, is basically this conceptual representation of if a person were to look like, take a normal, normally proportioned human being, say a male, for instance, and you stretch their body parts to reflect the amount of neurons that are dedicated to it in the brain for, for, for perceiving touch. So some of these some of these representations are really disgusting. Like Paul just showed me, really terrifying, disgusting. As he would say, they look kind of like these freaky demon things, uh, because it's like a disproportionate human. Because it's based on the fact that specific neurons, specific numbers of neurons. <laughs> I didn't even see that from here. <laughs> so basically, these pictures, what Paul's showing me, and what we're laughing over, is that these representations have really large hands, really large heads really large genitalia because <laughs> they're very very sensitive and really big feet but you know skinny legs and skinny arms and a small back so this is again representing what a human would look like if the size of our body parts was proportionate to the number of neurons that are dedicated to firing in our brain when experiencing a sensation yeah i, am. I actually don't know what happens if it gets damaged i just know that you can have sensory issues uh yeah there's like uh several sensory motor things uh that can happen i have different parts of it uh the parietal cortex or parietal lobe gets damaged uh one of them is uh apraxia which is uh an inability to uh like uh perform complex uh movements uh such as for example like brushing your hair and stuff so it's like a, a motor planning uh issue um, I imagine that sort of damage is probably closer to the motor cortex. What's another one? Uh, it can cause numbness and impair sensation if if somewhere in your right parietal lobe is damaged, say the part that fires when your hand is touched. If that gets damaged by stroke or by external damage, then it can cause numbness in your hand. Mm. Oh yeah, on the left side of your body. So it's always like the contralateral side. Yeah, yeah. that makes sense. That makes sense. So that's one thing. Yeah. Uh, there's also agnosia, uh, so the inability to uh, like discriminate objects uh, based on like touch sensation uh, or texture. Yes, which is a very odd thing. Um, so like you, those people like more so use like visual information to right. That's wild. Discriminate so texture. Basically, they can somebody can give you a cotton ball if you have agnosia or agnosia. I'm not sure. Somebody can give you a cotton ball, tell you not to look at your hand, give you a cotton ball. You can be trying to feel it, and then they can also give you like a pair of dice. And you could probably feel that there are two items in your hand, but you can't figure out whether or not they're a cotton ball or dice. You can't differentiate them. Um, and so there's this, uh, this other syndrome that's associated with damage uh, to the inferior 
parietal uh, lobe, so like the, the bottom part of the parietal lobe. Um, it, it's a very odd syndrome. Um, I, don't, I don't think I've actually heard of it before uh, reading up on the parietal lobe, of course. It's called Gerstmann syndrome. Um, and so like if there's a lesion in this area, there, there's like sort of a set of uh, very interesting and odd symptoms um, that occur. Uh, and they include uh, dysgraphia, which is uh, inability to uh, write. Uh, so it's sort of a motor thing, again, motor planning. Uh, there's dyscalculia, uh, which is difficulty in learning or comprehending math. Um, there's uh, finger agnosia. So we just mentioned agnosia uh, being uh, an inability to like uh, do tactile discrimination, for example. Um, but this is uh, inability to distinguish the fingers on your hand. Uh, so I, I assume like if one of them gets brushed, you wouldn't be able to tell which one of your fingers uh, was like touched, for example. Um, and then uh, a left-right uh, disorientation. Uh, so uh, inability to really tell left from right. And so there's this is odd set of like symptoms all associated with this one syndrome for damage in one part of your brain. Oh, you said it was the inferior parietal lobe? Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's weird because those are all things that you can still live with. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, that's a pretty good uh, introduction, I'd say, to the parietal lobe. Yeah, yeah. Very interesting area. Sensory integration area. Really cool. Yeah, so so again, just as a summary, when we touch an object, you know, we feel the wind or we sense pressure or temperature or, you know, weight of an object. Whenever we experience anything that has to do with our sense of touch, that information goes from neurons that are in your peripheral nervous system, which is different than your central nervous system, which is your brain and your spinal cord. But so your peripheral nervous system neurons sense this external stimuli, send the information up your spinal cord, up your brain stem to your parietal lobe through the thalamus. And then information goes to your somatosensory cortex and we experience touch. And then, yeah, if it gets damaged, you can have some some funky things happen with your your sense of touch. I think that'll that'll about do it for today. Oh, uh, yeah, that'll do it. <laughs> that's the parietal lobe. Now we're done parietal with lobe. the lobes. We're we're all set with the lobes, which is cool. All right, we'll talk to you soon. All right, bye everyone. <laughs>